Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast. My name is Mike Keenitz, and today I am interviewing Rick Olderman, who is a physical therapist and the creator of the Fixing You Method on back pain and sciatica. And we forgot to mention this in the podcast, so I want to talk about it now. He actually has a back and sciatica masterclass, which has three free tests you can do to check to see where your back pain is coming from. We'll provide the link down below. He also has paid programs you can do on many different body parts, and he does have one on back pain and sciatica. It's a treat yourself system to curing any problems you may be having. So without further ado, here is Rick. Well, welcome back to the program, Rick. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Excited to be here as usual. So today we're going to be talking about sciatica. So before we get into that, can you give us a brief history on your background for our listeners who don't know you yet? Sure. I'm a sports and orthopedic physical therapist for over 25 years. And uh, by necessity, I've ended up focusing more on chronic pain than anything else. And sciatica certainly falls in that realm. And so, um, yeah, and I've owned my own uh, orthopedic clinic here in Denver for about 10 years, sold that about a year ago, year and a half ago, and uh, am focusing more on um, shifting my focus to online uh, means of helping people around the country and around the world. So where can people find out more information about you at? Uh, yeah, if you just go to uh, www.rickolderman.com, R-I-C-K-O-L-D-E-R-M-A-N, um, you'll find all my programs, my books, um, other information that you can tip your toes in the water and see if it's right for you. Sure. So getting into sciatica now, can you explain what sciatica is and what causes it? Sure. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, sciatica is referring to the sciatic nerve, which is a primary nerve that runs down our leg and feeds most of our, uh, all, all of our leg muscles. And uh, the, the nerve roots, uh, which are components of the sciatic nerve, come from the lumbar spine, the lower uh, spine and also the sacrum. And so they converge to form um, what's called the sciatic nerve, but that's, you know, really a, a couple different uh, trunks of the sciatic nerve that run down our leg and feed everything. So sciatica is just referring to some irritation of either the roots of the sciatic nerve as they're exiting, you know, our spine or some other type of compression or irritation of the sciatic nerve after those roots have left our spine. And so it could be both too. So it's really a, a really broad term uh, for any kind of pain uh, related to uh, the sciatic nerve. So what are the typical symptoms of sciatica that individuals should be aware of? Yeah, uh, most people, when sciatica starts for most people, they start to feel like a, this like numbness or nagging pain in their butt area. And uh, it's often diagnosed as maybe a piriformis syndrome or, or something like that. Um, and, and so uh, that's usually how it starts. But then if you start to feel it going down the leg, you might feel numbness and tingling down to your knee or into your hamstring. You might feel, you know, quad, you know, front of the thigh or groin issues. But Basically, what happens is that the more the sciatic nerve becomes irritated, 
the further down the leg your symptoms travel, and they can actually even travel down into the toes and cause something called drop foot, where uh, you're um, unable to raise your, your foot anymore because the sciatic nerve has been so compromised, it's not feeding the muscles that lift the foot any longer. So it can get quite severe and uh, can, you know, like I said, comprise any, any symptoms from the back all the way down to the foot. Now, is it important for people to figure out where their pain is coming from with sciatica, if it's more in the back or down the leg, like in the buttock region, like you mentioned? Well, yeah, it, it is. Um, and, and that's that's where a lot of the difficulty comes in, Mike, is that it's hard for us to figure out where that's coming from. And, and you know, through this conversation that you and I are having, you know, hopefully we'll give some people some clues because, you know, it. it Traditional, traditionally, the way we look at, at sciatic pain is just how I've described it. Oh, it's a problem with the nerve roots exiting the spine or the sacrum or some compression here in the butt or something like that. But you have to go one step further and ask, but why is that happening? And so the why, so that is the true then cause of sciatic pain. Not that it's getting comp compromised here, but why that's getting compromised there is really the true cause. So why that is happening is usually because of in 80 to 90% of the cases because of some older problem in the same leg and in 10 to 20% of the cases that I've found clinically anyway, uh, it's a compensation for some other problem in the other leg for which you're compensating for and then hammering this leg instead. So we can go in and, and mess around with all of the nerve roots and the piriformis and all that kind of stuff. But if we don't solve why all of that has become compromised in the first place, we're not going to really solve sciatic pain. Sure. So how does posture contribute to the development and management of sciatica? Yeah. So, so there's two primary patterns of posture that are co contributing to uh, sciatic pain. One is what I call an extension problem, which means that the spine is too arched or there's too many forces trying to pull the spine into an arch. And as you can imagine, I'm gonna hold this spine up close to the camera here. So as you can imagine, the more that that spine becomes arched, you can see that more compression is occurring in the spine, all right? Well, that compression is felt in the nerve roots that are exiting the spine as well. So, uh, and you can figure out whether this is one of your primary patterns by this, just the simple test that if you're lying down on the floor and your back feels better or your sciatic pain feels better when your knees are bent, versus legs straight when you're lying on the floor, then, then it's telling us that this extension problem pattern is probably part of your problem. And all that's happening here is when we're bending our knees, our lower spine is just flattening. So if by flattening the spine, very simply put, if by flattening that spine decreases your pain or decreases your sciatic symptoms, then this extension pattern is part of your uh, problem. So that's one of the, and we could talk about why that extension problem is happening and all that kind of stuff. But the second pattern of um, issues that are contributing to sciatic pain is something that's called what I call a side bending problem. And that's when you have, usually the side where you're having sciatic pain is that pelvis is usually higher. And that may even be diagnosed as a leg length discrepancy, but it, it really, in almost all cases, is not. It's just a compensation pattern. But anyway, so the side bending pattern is uh, where one side of the pelvis is higher 
and usually the same side rib cage is lower. And if, if for those of you watching, if you can see this, that this then comp uh, compresses the nerve roots on this side of the spine, right? And so that's, the, and both of these patterns can happen concurrently. So uh, both of these could be at the root of your sciatic pain. You know, for the first time about a month ago, my girlfriend was having some issues. They weren't back related, but I noticed she had the side bending problem after teaching many of your methods. And I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty easy to see. Hers was neck pain issues, but I was like, oh, you have a side bending problem. Yeah. And so the side bending problem creates neck pain often because the rib cage is lower on one side. Yeah. Well, the shoulder blade uh, is the source of most problems for neck pain and headaches. So that then puts the shoulder blade at uh, uh, in a bad situation, which then creates neck pain and headaches too. Yeah. For people listening, if you're looking at someone's back and one side looks flat and the other side you notice they kind of have like a creased line there people think it's just fat it's it's not it's actually you have a side tilt and that's what's causing that so absolutely mike and and that's you know what i tell people the easy way to figure it out is just take your shirt off and have someone take a picture of your back mm -hmm. and often once you look at that objectively you'll see oh wow either one hip is jutting out more than the other or you have a bigger crease on one side of your spine than the other or you know you'll actually see your whole trunk shifted over one side than the other so those are all indications of a side bending issue sure so what lifestyle changes or habits can someone adopt to relieve and effectively manage your sciatica pain yeah so so this this is the this is the crux of the whole situation is that and and i get this question all the time well what exercises will fix my sciatic pain? Well, I, we, I mean, we can, we can fix the side bending problem in about 10 steps and I'll, I can, we'll go over how to do that. But if we don't fix why the side bending pattern is occurring, then we're not going to fix the sciatica. Uh, so, but, and, and fixing why that side bending pattern is occurring has to do with your old injuries. Do you have any old hip issue or old knee issue or any old foot and ankle issue? That you haven't resolved correctly because ultimately we have to go back to the drawing board and fix whatever that older issue is in order to permanently fix the side bending pattern that may be contributing to your side pain and or the extension problem so it, I, I wish it was a, a really easy you know question to answer like oh you just do these two exercises and this will fix your sciatica well no because what if your sciatica is coming because you're compensating from the other leg so all of, you know, you have to understand why it's happening in order to truly fix it. And so that's why there's not just one exercise or two exercises that will solve it. I mean, yes, we can solve the patterns, but if we don't solve the reason the pattern is happening, that is ultimately what, what needs to happen. So just to go over, let's just go over this right now. Let's fix the side bending pattern. So usually this, is all any kind of lower body or back or sciatic issue has at its root cause or one of its root causes how we walk and so if we fix how we walk that will largely fix a lot of the problems right and so that's the same goes for if you have a side bending problem so let's say you have right sciatica and you've just discovered that you have a right side bending problem too well all you have to do is just hold your right arm up in the air and take 10 or 20 steps around the room. 
And when you step on that right leg, I want you just to pause there for just a second and lengthen that arm up a little bit more. So you're lengthening through both your rib cage and your arm as you take that step on your right leg. And then continue that about 10 steps around the room or 20. And if you come back, if you have someone measuring this pelvis and rib cage for you, you'll see that your pelvis and rib cage are now perfectly level. All right. So you've solved the side bending problem, right? But you have not solved the reason the side bending problem is occurring. So this is something that you can do periodically throughout the day to keep that side bending problem at bay while you work out whatever it is that you're compensating for in the first place. Yeah, I, my girlfriend has had like two knee surgeries on one of her sides. So that's kind of why she has a side bending problem from rehabbing from those injuries in the past. I love that you put that together. So, so many people, uh, Mike, don't, because we're not trained to think about our old injuries as the source of our current pain, a lot of people don't look at, like you just did, those old things and say, oh, yeah, there's the source of the side bending problem. You know, for most people, it just hits us out of left field. Like, what? Yeah. And, and the reason that's happening is because, but my knee doesn't hurt. Well, the fact that your knee doesn't hurt has nothing to do with the creation of the side bending problems because the brain is so good at creating creating compensation patterns around problems so it will teach you how to it will help you get around whatever existing problem is happening by creating these types of larger pattern issues the whole reason the body is doing this is so that you can get off of whatever the problem is here it's just like if you had a little pebble in your shoe well, you're not going to step hard on that pebble all the time, right? You're going to try and get off of that pebble. And so this is your brain's way of getting off that pebble. Yeah, I've talked to you enough times. I'm learning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Just takes me a little longer than others. Oh, you and me both. <laughs> so could you share some examples of common exercises or stretches that can effectively alleviate sciatica pain? I know you mentioned one for side bending, but do you have more? Oh, sure. So... Uh, let's go back to this. All so it's funny because just this weekend, a good friend of mine uh, let me know that she had been suffering from sciatic pain. She's a nurse uh, for two months now and has been seeing a physical therapist and all this kind of stuff and still is looking at now uh, surgery to for a disc issue because her sciatic pain isn't resolved. And so, you know, I raced over to her house and evaluated her. And lo and behold, she has a side bending problem on that side, but she also has that, that extension problem. So the, here, here's where this kind of gets interesting is that she, uh, one of the causes of the extension problem, and again, if you have an extension problem, it means you're having excessive compression in the spine, all right? One of the causes of this are tight thigh muscles. The thigh muscles attach to the front of the pelvis. And so if your thigh muscles are tight, they will pull that pelvis forward, creating more of an arch or extension moment at the spine. Now, the pelvis doesn't have to actually be pulled forward. Just the force of it of a thigh muscle trying to pull the pelvis forward can exert that extension stress in the spine. It would be like, Mike, if, if I pushed on your chest really hard with my finger and you leaned into my finger to prevent me from pushing on it, and neither of us were moving, but the fact that neither of us are, have moved doesn't mean that there's, not for, there's no force being generated between the two of us, right? Sure. So you're exerting a lot of force against my finger. I'm exerting a lot of force into your chest. 
And both of us are now under tension and that will create pain, even though we may look like we have perfectly upright postures and so forth. So the shape of the posture isn't a good indicator of whether you have this other than a side bending problem. What really matters is the force that's being delivered to that posture. And the thigh muscles are a biggie in terms of contributing to the extension pattern. So lo and behold, in my friend, what happened was when I measured her thigh muscle tightness, lo and behold, the side that she was having sciatic pain on, it, her thigh muscle was at least twice as tight as the side that she wasn't experiencing side, uh, uh, sciatic pain on. So I gave her this thigh stretch, stretching this thigh out to release the force that's acting on the pelvis. Well, this could be tricky if you're having sciatic pain because you're having sciatic pain because of this extension moment, right? And now we try and stretch this thigh muscle to release that force. Well, part of stretching that thigh mu muscle is exerting more of that extension moment onto that pelvis again. So we have to have a way of doing that more safely. And so I don't know how to demonstrate it with this model, but basically I have her lying down on her back with both knees to her chest, which, which flattens her spine. And then she'll lower that one leg down to stretch that thigh muscle while holding on to the opposite knee. That opposite knee is keeping her pelvis and back from arching more. So it's really important that she holds on to that. And so we create a foundation of base from which she can stretch this problem tight thigh muscle. So that's, that's one of them. And then we also found that, uh, and she didn't realize is that every time she walked around, every time she stopped, she would dip her right shoulder down. And I said, why, you know, why are you doing that? And she says, I have no idea. And so probably I was there for maybe a half hour. She probably did that 20, 30 times just every time we were talking. And so, you know, getting her to stop this behavior of dipping down every time she stopped and, and she finally saw that, oh my gosh, I can't believe how often I'm doing this. And this is how insidious your habits become with creating your pain. This behavior was one of the things that created her side bending problem, which she was unaware of. And she wasn't, she didn't understand why she was doing that. She just did that. She's done it for decades, which is what is the thing? That's one of the behaviors that has probably created the disc issue that's then creating her sciatic pain. So uh, another thing to keep in mind is, is that, and this is a pretty cool little test. If, if your listeners can put your hands on your waist muscles right here, right above your pelvic bones, right? So here's our hard pelvis. And if we go above there, there's our soft waist muscles. And if we stand there and we shift to one leg, let's say we shift over to our left leg and we slightly lift our right knee, you will feel that your right waist muscles are now contracted and your left waist muscles are relatively relaxed compared to your right side. And the left side is lengthened. All right, the right side is now contracted. And if we switch over to our right leg and slightly bend our left knee, we'll find that our left waist muscles become contracted and our right waist muscles be, uh, become lengthened. So what she was doing is because she had right sciatic pain, she would be shifting over to her left side all the time to get off of that sciatic uh, pain. Well, guess what? When she's doing that, she's actually reproducing the pattern that's causing the pain in the first place by getting off of it. It's contracting the waist muscles, which is causing the side bending problem or at least reinforcing it. 
So one of the things I had to teach her to do was just what we went over before is to learn to weight bear on the right side, but not collapse down anymore. Instead, lengthen her trunk. So this is the interesting thing is, uh, you know, you have to, you have to kind of play around with these ideas with each patient because some people will, you know, are ready for it and some people aren't. Well, what she did was, is uh, she reached way up with her right arm and she did that for the whole rest of the day. But just reaching the arm up because the latissimus dorsi attaches to the lower uh, spine and pelvis area down here. When she was reaching her arm up and her latissimus dorsi is short, her back is now arching because of that. So it was too aggressive of a change for her because of other things going on. So I just had her put her hand on her head instead and reduce her effort by 50% to, to help her with this. And so even doing this, putting your hand on your head while you're walking will help teach you how to maintain length on that side as you step on that leg and correct this collapse that, that is likely happening when you're walking. So that, there's a couple other things there too that i i get the head thing now because we've taught your uh strategies in our recent videos and that's one of them and then i was like why do we put it on our head like i <laughs> i yes. couldn't comprehend that but yeah i suppose if, yeah if someone's lats are too tight i see why okay. which is often the case with a lot of people because all of our work is down here on, on computers right mm -hmm. so all of that stuff becomes tight and yeah. then the, the, the third thing, and this is the, I haven't gone here with her yet because uh, she's not ready for it. But the third thing that's happening is that the gluteal muscles are getting shut off because of this gait pattern of collapsing on the same side. What's happening is the whole hip musculature is getting turned off. And so it's not controlling the hip joint well, and it's not stabilizing the pelvis well. Well, so with her, all we've focused on first is lengthening the thigh muscle and preventing the side bending pattern from occurring. The next step with her will be to strengthen the butt muscles to control the pelvic orientation. And, and so that the, because the, these butt muscles are the thing that's holding her up when she's walking and they're not getting turned on right now. But if I introduce those right on, on the first day, it would be way too aggressive for her uh it would just really set her off already just the few things i gave her were, were difficult for her so that would be the next step is to then control your pelvic uh orientation and stability of that side of your spine by activating the the gluteal muscles correctly during gait and also to, just to just to get them stronger so are you gonna ever do like four foot walking without locked knees or yes so i've already gotten her to stop uh, locking her knees. Locking the knees, folks, is one of the things that turns off the butt muscles in the first place. Uh, so we started there, and that combined with the correction of the side bending problem, it was a lot for her. All right. So, so I'm hoping today <laughs> uh, she'll let me go over and start helping her with her gluteal activation uh, more specifically. So I think sure. that's that's the last piece that she needs to really start climbing out of this hole. Those lock knee habits are hard to break. I, I was one of those last year. Yes. I've actually implemented most of your stuff. I do four foot walking and not locking knees. You're just fixing me all over. Wow. And you're still talking to me. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> Somehow. All right. Uh, next question. Could you explain the significance of core strength and flexibility in the management of sciatica symptoms? 
Yeah. So frankly, and this is where, you know, I'll probably get into trouble with a lot of practitioners out there, but I never focus on core strength. Uh, I, I won't say it never. I hardly ever focus on core strength the way that most practitioners focus on it. Core strength often is not the cause of all of these problems, right? Core strength isn't the reason your thigh muscles have become tight. Core strength is not the reason that you're, you've developed a side bending problem either. Core strength is not the reason that you're locking your knees when you're walking. So why would I strengthen the core in order to fix pain associated with these patterns? I don't. So core strength becomes more important uh, as after we fix all of these biomechanical problems, then I go into more of a core and I think of it as stabilization. But I don't do exercises to fix core strength. I use something called lifting the rib cage, which is fixing postural strategies that then activate the core appropriately to the degree that's necessary while you're living. Instead of doing a thousand sit-ups or planks and things like that on the floor, which then don't translate into how you're using your core in your life, that doesn't make sense, right? Why don't we fix it while we're just working at the computer, going out for walks, doing our sports? That's how core strength should be used. And so the way that I uh, do that after I fix all these biomechanical problems and I, and even, and I don't even do this with most of my patients because again, core strength isn't the reason they're having all these problems. But if I determine that, oh, I, I do think that they need a little bit more stability in the lumbar and pelvic region. That's when I go into this next thing. Okay. And so this next thing is called lifting the rib cage. And basically uh, if you put one hand on your chest and the other hand on your belly and you take a deep breath in, you'll feel your rib cage lift. And when you exhale, you'll feel it go down. Okay. So let's go ahead and take that deep breath in again. And this time when we exhale, you can exhale all the way and, but don't let your rib cage drop all the way. You can let it drop 99% of the way, but not that last 1%. And if you prevent your rib cage from dropping that last 1%, you'll notice that your stomach muscles have just engaged or become tight in some, to some degree, usually about 5%, you know, activation there. Well, this is your core holding up your rib cage. If you look at pictures of the core musculature, it's massive, right? We have several layers of core musculature and they're, they're just attaching everywhere. Well, their job is to hold up this massive trunk, right? And rib cage. And so this is how they, this is how we activate them naturally. It's just simply lifting the rib cage, maybe a millimeter and you'll feel the core activate. Well, that's all the core that's necessary to hold your posture in place. So the next part of this then is to bring your arms down by your sides and roll your shoulders around and loosen them completely because your arms should be like two dangling ropes by your sides, right? And you'll notice that when you completely loosen your, um, your arms by your sides, you've just lost your core activation too. And the reason is, is because most people are tying their posture to their shoulders by squeezing their shoulder blades back in order to hold their trunk up. Well, that's an artificial mechanism to act, act to correcting posture. Look at the, you know, look at the shoulder blades on the, on the skeleton. The shoulder blades are resting outside of the rib cage. Why then would they be necessary for posture? They are not. Your primary posture generators are 
the core, right? And so if you're using your shoulders to create posture, then you're using an artificial construct in order to create your posture. And they can be a helper with posture, but they shouldn't be the primary driver of posture. And unfortunately, this is being taught in a lot of yoga, Pilates, dance, gymnastics, all things like that. Uh, the cueing is to bring your shoulder blades down and back into the opposite back pocket to, you know, to create your posture. Well, that's not their role. The role of the shoulder blades are to assist the arm moving up overhead. And there are rules about that. The role of the shoulder blade is not to create posture or at least be the primary generator of posture. So this is how it should be done is that if you just simply hold that rib cage up just a little bit, you'll feel that the stomach gets turned on a little bit. And that little bit is all that's needed. You don't need to be this yeah, uber contracted stomach to, in order to hold up your posture. Then you're just gonna create tension in your whole system. You'll notice that I have not asked anyone and I never ask any of my clients to contract their stomach muscles. No. I just ask them to simply lift the rib cage up a little bit and feel that the stomach has contracted naturally. That is all the contraction that's necessary to maintain your posture. Simple. If someone is like a athlete or maybe even like a power lifter or something, would you have them focus on core strength then I'm assuming if they had sciatica? I suppose it depends. Yes. Uh, first, first and foremost, I always fix the biomechanics that are causing the patterns that are creating the pain. Mm -hmm. Then after that's fixed, then we can assess whether the core strength is a, is a factor in that. Most of the time it is not. It is coming down to patterns of habits and weakness and tightness that occurs because of those patterns. So if someone found success without doing that, but doing core strengthening, I'm guessing they fix their patterns unintentionally through the core strengthening? Well, what, they're, what they've done, so pain occurs along a spectrum of issues. So some people have smaller problems biomechanically to correct than others. And so the people I see are the people who are in very deep holes of dysfunction, right? But if you're doing core strengthening and that has solved your sciatic pain, then that means you're probably at the other end of the spectrum. And this is not a significant biomechanical issue. This is more of a stabilization issue for you. Now, strengthening the core, well, often what that means is that uh, the pelvis is then held in more of a posterior pelvic tilt naturally because of the core strengthening, all right? And so what that's doing then is that's correcting the extension problem pattern of potentially the sciatic uh, impingement. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. And, and also the other th confounding thing, Mike, is that are they only doing core strengthening? Have you only done core strengthening to solve your sciatic pain and nothing else? So often that is not the case. Often what's, what physical therapists have done is they've thrown a whole bunch of stuff at somebody. Core strengthening is among that, all that stuff to see what sticks. Mm -hmm. And so if something works, it's usually attributed to the core strengthening. Sure. Okay. Because, because we don't understand the biomechanics behind the pain in the first place, but it may have also corrected some of those biomechanics as well. Sure. All right. Next question. Are there any prevalent misconceptions or myths about sciatica that you've encountered in your practice? Yes. 
that sciatica is caused by core strength. (laughs) (laughs) What we just talked about? (laughs) Or lack thereof. Yeah. Is there anything else? These biomechanics. (laughs) Uh, Well, the other, the other, here's another thing. So, uh, you know, we can drill down as deep into this as you want, but often people with sciatic issues are experiencing, say, hip pain, right? And so they go to their medical provider and their medical provider says, oh, well, you know, your sciatica is causing your hip pain. Often, no, that is not the case. The hip pain is actually the cause of the sciatica. If you uh, listen to the first part of this and you found that uh, one of the patterns causing sciatic pain is the side bending problem. And the side bending problem is caused by some problem in the usually the same side leg. And if you have hip pain, well, hip pain constitutes one of those problems that's then causing the side bending problem, that's then causing the sciatic pain, that then refers back down the leg. All right. So uh, this is the uh, this is the thing that is happening with most people is that they'll go to their medical provider and and because we're trained that well the ner- because the nerves feed everything down the leg, any problem in the leg if you have sciatica is caused by the sciatica end of story. No, it's not the end of story because something is causing the sciatica. And so we get into this feedback loop in the body where this problem down here causes sciatic pain, which then refers back down the leg. And so ultimately we have to fix the biomechanical issue that's causing the pattern in the first place. Same goes with any kind of ridiculous symptoms down the arm too. They're all attributed to, uh, oh, well, it must be coming from the neck. Well, yes, but that's only part of the answer. What is causing the neck problem? And it's usually the shoulder blade. And my last question, could you share some success stories or patient examples that illustrate effective management or recovery from sciatica? Oh, sure. Well, I have one of those. Uh, Here's a shameless uh, marketing on my part in in my new book, Solving the Pain Puzzle. Uh, I have one of those. Uh, that I wrote up in there of this guy who had sciatic pain for eight years and uh, had had two, I think two uh, spinal surgeries to fix disc issues, uh, which worked for, I think, six weeks. And then his sciatic pain came back and he had been to a ton of practitioners. And within 15 seconds, we fixed his sciatic pain, not by addressing anything in his back, but by addressing his hip. His hip was the feeding, was feeding the whole sciatic pattern issue. And we simply got down to the bottom of it in our very first, um, you know, assessment and uh, solved his pain. So, uh, I mean, I, there's just so many examples of things like this where, uh, you know, it's, we have to understand the biomechanics. I had another marathon runner uh, who was experiencing sciatic pain. And uh, it ended up that she was compensating for a problem in the other leg uh, onto her leg. And so what happens is that if I, let's say I have sciatic pain in my right leg and I have an old injury in my left leg and I've, you know, subtly unloaded that left leg over the last 10, 20 years onto my right leg, maybe just 5%, you know, I'm going to transfer over to my right leg. Well, that 5% adds up over years, especially if you add, you know, if you're active and you're running and now you've got lots of repetition and loading onto that leg that's carrying 5% more, 
So you have that 5% more now that's carrying, that's being compounded by all of the activity that you're doing on that. And finally, there comes a time where your body just says, man, I just can't do this anymore. And so, you know, it develops a side bending problem and then the nerves can only take so much pounding. And so that pain happens. Well, you know, she, this was an elite athlete <laughs> and she was shocked when I, I went over this little test and showed her that she's actually compensating for an older problem. And during our history, she never even mentioned this older problem because it wasn't even on her radar that that could even be a possibility in the cause of the sciatic pain. And this is a really interesting thing is that because, you know, we're so used to thinking, you know, I've got the sciatic pain, it must be something here. Well, yes, but why is that something here happening? These things don't just happen in the body naturally, right? And so if you th just take a step back and, and I'm, I'm, I'm writing another book right now, Mike, and, and asking people to go back into their distant history of all injuries, I don't care which side they're on, of all of their injuries to understand the source of a problem in their body and to help people understand that, look, everything matters. Your body, you know, what's that? The, I think there's, a, there's that book, uh, Your Body Keeps the Score. You know, everything matters. And so when we fixed her older problem on her other side, her right side act pain went away. So, I mean, I just see all sorts of permutations of this information. Yeah, I used to, before I saw you, I kind of had a side bending problem Bob found. And that was the side that my hip hurt and my shoulder blade sometimes gets out of dysfunction on that side too. But the only thing we could ever figure out was my right ankle <laughs> was limiting a lot of my gait and running pattern. And that caused a lot of my left-sided issues. Yeah, you're a marathoner, aren't you, Mike? Yeah, I did. I've done five. But yeah, my last two, I ran through dealing with hip pain. And yeah, it was a whole story. <laughs> oh, okay. Was it's it the same side as that right ankle or opposite side? Opposite side. Okay. Well, between everything I've learned from you and then another, I finally went to like a running PT around me just so they could see me in person run. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually back running and I'm doing a half marathon this weekend, actually. I wanted oh. to just do a half to start to make sure yeah. I didn't have pain again. And so far it's been fine. So congratulations. Good for yeah. you. We're fixed. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you would like to add that I forgot? Gosh. You know, we can drill down so, so deeply into so many things, but I think this gives a good overview. Hopefully, you know, people will start to look at their history differently as a contributor to their pain, regardless of whether it's the same leg or the opposite leg and, and start to put things together to understand this. Yeah. I would say before I ever met you, I was always just the you look at the narrow scope of, oh, that hurts here. I'm just going to look in this little spot instead of looking at the entire body. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of become my mission to, to help change how we do these, how we look at these things in medicine. So Sure. Well, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Mike. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. 